0: Thank uh-huh. you. This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Monday, May 6th, 2019. I'm Caleb Brown. The Chinese trade delegation is still coming for talks after the president threatened higher tariffs on billions of dollars of imports into the U.S. Dan Eikenson directs the Stiefel Center for Trade Policy Studies at the Cato Institute. He discusses the importance of trade to American producers, farmers, and everyday Americans. We spoke this morning. You've just returned uh, from China. What was the mood there with respect to trade with the United States? States.
1: Well, I think people are concerned uh, about whether or not there's going to be an agreement to end the trade war. There is, uh, I wouldn't say hostility, but, uh, but the Chinese scholars with whom I met were much more assertive than they had been in the past about, the, uh, about how certain they are that their uh, government is right in their positions and uh, that President Trump is acting a bit too aggressively um, but certainly there is interest in coming up with some solutions that are going to work. You know, this trade war has been going on for about a year. Negotiations have been going on for about that long to try to overcome some of the problems that the United States has identified in China. And, uh, we're very close reportedly to, uh, to a resolution and, uh, Just yesterday, President Trump uh, announced that he is going to increase the tariffs on Chinese goods from 10% to 25% on $200 billion worth of goods that have been subject to the lower rate for the past uh, eight or nine months. Uh, And he's also said that he's going to subject the rest of Chinese goods that we import to 25% tariffs. So that's kind of uh, created a a bit of a frenzy in markets, um, certainly in inboxes on Social media, and it's uh, it's unclear what this means. Uh, as uh, on Wednesday, the United States is expecting the arrival of uh, a Chinese delegation to sort of conclude these negotiations. And now there's a question as to whether or not they're even going to come. Uh, but 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 we'll see. The uh, President Trump has uh, a tendency to um, behave sort of impulsively. And even though he's moving markets, uh, doesn't seem to dissuade him from, um, from from
0: this behavior. But we'll we'll see how it how it plays out. Your idea of raising tariffs just before a trade delegation is supposed to arrive would seem to be counterproductive to getting a deal. Is there, uh, is there a desire by this administration to have positive trading relations with China? Yes, I think there is. Uh, I I
1: think there's a lot uh, of optics that the president is uh, concerned about. You know, he's he champions himself as the world's greatest negotiator. He says he's going to um, hold China to account, the first president to ever do that. Uh, So that means that. He needs to make good on uh, his promises to compel the Chinese to engage in structural reforms with respect to you know, forced technology transfer and do a better job of intellectual property enforcement and to uh, reduce the the role of state-owned enterprises in, in, in the economy in China. And if a deal emerges that doesn't address those issues sufficiently, I think the president is going to come under some scrutiny and an attack from you know, the 21 Democratic presidential uh, aspirants uh, who want to outflank him on this issue. I mean, I think politically uh, the the Rust Belt workers who supported Trump, uh, who had for several uh, elections been in the Democratic camp uh, are contestable. And uh, I think the Democrats would like to win them back. And and so Trump needs to uh, get some of the things that he's promised that he's going to get. Uh, Reports in recent weeks uh, uh, suggest that maybe it's not going to be as comprehensive a deal as it uh, as the president had promised so we uh, that that could be something that's motivating him I I, I don't subscribe to his tactics uh, the, the assumption that we have leverage by threatening to raise tariffs which are just taxes on American consumers households and businesses uh, doesn't strike me as the best way to to, to move forward and uh, you know the Chinese have a deep well of uh, patriotism, which can uh, easily be morphed into nationalism. And uh, and I, I suspect that if this trade war is to go on for a long
0: time, the, the Chinese uh, would be able to endure it uh, pretty well. All right. So um, you mentioned voters who supported the president. These are voters who uh, are involved in the agricultural sector, uh, some in the manufacturing sector, who would like to continue exporting a great deal of their goods to China. What's the likely uh, result of not getting a deal?
1: Yeah, I think they'll have a, a hard time. So first of all, there are U.S. manufacturers who are hurt by our own tariffs because the the cost of the the intermediate inputs that they require to build their products uh, is more expensive and then there are the farmers and manufacturers who are facing retaliation from China uh, who will see no respite uh, if there's not an end to this deal you know one of the problems uh, those of us who have studied uh, trade history and, re- and 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 know what happened in the 1930s uh are somewhat aghast at the fact that the president would even spark a trade war you know, rec- recognizing what the uh, in the potential hazards are but it turns out that so far you know the us economy as juiced as it is on fiscal stimulus and monetary stimulus and is also at sort of the peak of the of the business cycle hasn't really uh felt the pain as acutely as we would expect there are concentrated pockets in the u.s economy concentrated industries and certainly a lot of agricultural exporters who are are, who are hurting uh, as a result of this but it's it has not been as broadly felt as uh, as one might otherwise expect it's also the case that many of these farmers and manufacturers seem to uh, have this view that you know that, that, that President Trump uh, addressing these Chinese issues, uh, they, they support it and they think it's something that needs to be done. And so they seem to be willing to take it on the chin. I mean, I don't know for how long, uh, but uh, there has certainly been much less um, vocal opposition uh, and fr- from this segment than than one would expect. So uh, it's just a matter of time, I, I think. Uh, this could create, uh, you know, real huge financial hardships going forward if we don't end the trade war uh, very soon.
0: Now, uh, again, voters, uh, there is a newfound free trade enthusiasm among Democrats in uh, the U.S. Is that going to be deeply held uh, over the long term or is it just opposition to Donald Trump that uh, maybe reflexively makes these large groups of people suddenly be for things that he's against? <laughs> I think that that is uh, th- what you just described is a
1: phenomenon we see a lot. Um, and so opposition to the the president from the, the party that's out of uh, the executive power uh, is motivating a lot of this pro-trade sentiment, I think. But also, you know, people who associate as Democrats uh, who register as Democratic voters tend to be more in favor of trade and globalization and openness. Uh, they tend to be more cosmopolitan, I suppose. and there has been this bit of a uh, you know a flip uh, in the uh, among Republican supporters and democratic supporters that Democrats tend to be more in favor of, of trade now. It's the Democratic leadership in in, in Congress that uh, is has not really uh, heard the signal and and ch- changed its tune. They're still sort of beholden to to labor and some of the anti trade forces. We saw after the midterm election some some districts in Republican strongholds uh, in in the agricultural sectors and uh, and, and in the Midwest. Uh, become more democratic, either flip or become much less Republican, and that could be because of the tariffs that have been imposed, but some of it also may be just uh, because of uh, opposition to, to to Trump's tenor uh, and to his his, his perspectives. So. You know, whether it endures, uh, uh, I think that the 2020 election will, um, will help us sort through that. But uh, certainly um, if we go into a prolonged period where uh, trade is contracting and the economy is contracting, I think most Americans will come to realize once again the importance of open trade.
0: And in, in terms of the the scale of the tr- the trade that the United States engages in with China what does it represent in terms of the U.S. economy?
1: The U.S. economy is about a $20 trillion economy, uh, and U.S. trade with with China is about $800 billion when you took goods and services. So, you know, less than 5%, uh, but it uh, has major trickle effects um, when you start imposing duties on intermediate goods Uh, it, it drives up the cost of production and, uh, has a, it it magnifies through the supply chain and, um, you know, it sounds like a small number, but, uh, it's, it's our largest trading relationship and, uh, lots of companies are heavily invested in, in the architecture of these supply chains and it would be very disruptive and very costly to, to, to change those supply chains.
0: Dan Eikensen directs the Herbert A. Stiefel Center for Trade Policy Studies at the Cato Institute. Subscribe to the Cato Daily Podcast wherever you get your podcasts and follow us on Twitter at Cato Podcast.